Good morning, Rhode Island. It is a relatively warm Friday here in the Ocean State, and I'm here for the final time this semester. But yeah, I know it's sad. We do have a great guest here today. Joining me, a graduate guard and a member of the Rhode Island women's basketball team, it's Sayani Lassiter. Say, how you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Sun's out a little bit. Yeah, exactly. It's nice. Finally, like, we were talking about this before the show, the seasonal the seasonal depression's finally <laughs> yeah. kind of wearing off a little bit. <laughs> Cross our fingers a little bit. Yeah, ex exactly. It, it, it's May. We, you, never, you never know. It's Mike's still the end of April. Sweet. Yeah, exa exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, Sayani, obviously a historic season for the women's basketball team, just records upon records. Before we get on to just your time with Rhode Island, because you've been, you've been around the block with a bunch of other teams. <laughs> so take me back, New England native, growing up in Boston, playing high school in AAU ball. I mean, this is the question I ask almost all the athletes, but something you've probably thought of before. When was sort of the first time you realized, all right, I think I want to play college basketball. Um, I would say the first time. So I got my first scholarship uh, in seventh grade um, at a camp. I went to a camp, and it was actually Rutgers camp, uh, the one I, school I went to last year. So that was probably like the first time I was like, all right, I might be kind of good at this. Um, and then from there, I just I started going with it a lot more. Um, with my AU team, my uncle, he started an AU team for us, for me and my sister mainly, and then like a lot of the girls in the inner city, um, Boston Showstopper. So starting there and then where it is now, especially the AU team, like being sponsored by Adidas, Under Armour, all these different sneakers. And then just going from there and just seeing where that program's grown and then how they're just getting into kids to college, um, things like that. So that's really uh, probably around seventh grade is when I started to be like, all right, I might be all right at this. So then as you're kind of going through the ranks of AAU, you're really starting to develop your game. I mean, we kind of talked about it. You were talking about how AAU, you credit for really giving you mm -hmm. a lot of looks in terms of um, college performances. But then in high school, you played at one of the bigger high schools in, in Boston, Massachusetts. Massachusetts to, and mm. for that matter. So what was it like sort of juggling just playing for both like where your pri your priorities were pretty I would assume evenly split between both AAU and high school? Yeah so AAU time was uh, pretty much like the fall so the fall we was probably like when I was playing it was like one or two showcases in the fall that we went to and then high school would be like the winter and then summer and spring were all AAU times, so that's when you went to all the college showcases, all the random tournaments. Um, that's where you really like got in front of the coaches there. So it was pretty much like every single season is when uh, I was playing growing up. And so what, uh, in terms of like high school basketball, what was sort of your success like? Obviously, you're playing for one of a bigger school, probably high division in mm -hmm. uh, Massachusetts, like state rankings and stuff like that. What, what would you say like it was kind of like playing um, high school basketball? Um, so our school was so in Mass at least, so the schools are broken up by how big it is. So since I went to New Enough and it was probably I don't know if it's the biggest, but probably one of the biggest um, schools in Mass. So we were D one like automatically. Um, and even some of the schools that are really good, but their schools small. Um, like my uncle's school, he goes to Cathedral. He coaches at Cathedral, um, but his school is really small. So they're D four, but then they moved up to D three because they're good, but that's probably the highest they could ever go. Um, but in terms of my school. Um, I mean, it was good to, to see, like, we had a bunch of kids who were probably played, like, soccer, lacrosse, probably wasn't basketball, but it wasn't their main sport, uh, but it was just a lot of kids that went to this school, and I mean, it was fun. We did a good job. I mean, 
my sophomore year is when I hurt my knee, so I didn't play that whole year. Um, but I didn't reclass. I didn't go to another high school. I didn't transfer. I stayed at the same one the whole time. So I've only only played three years there, but um, scored a thousand points, rebounds, assists, um, all that. So it was pretty good for me. That must have been a really cool feeling to get when you hit a thousand points. Like I know at my high school, like when we had we had someone hit a thousand points this year. My sister was telling me they like stopped the game, had a whole banner ceremony. Yeah, and yeah. I can't. I don't, I don't even remember what game it was uh, that I got it, but I remember uh, getting it, taking pictures and stuff. That's that's that must have been really cool. Was there a lot? Were there a lot of thousand point scores at your school? Because like, we had a uh, we had a decent amount. I think so. I know there's a banner of all of them, but I can't remember like how many exactly. I know. Uh, my other friend, her name is Infinity. She went to Holy Cross. She got a thousand. Um, and then I think like three people I played with got a thousand. What What year did you hit it? Uh, seventeen. Because I only played. So it was my third year playing. So yeah. I got a twenty seventeen. Yeah. So then uh, around, uh, I would assume around that time it was when uh, obviously during the AAU process you've been to a number of college tournaments. You're starting mm-hmm. to sort of market yourself as uh, a prospective college athlete. What were like the initial sort of like motions of kind of going through the college recruitment process? How were you, were you kind of reaching out to coaches? Were coaches reaching out to you? What was that process kind of like? Um, they reached out to my uncle mainly. So they'll see me like on the scene. And most of the time when you get like one big offer, usually the rest start to just roll in by accident, even if you may not even be good. Like as soon as somebody sees it, they'll just start rolling in. Um, but they mainly reached out to my uncle. They saw me. Um, and then from there, he'll like send me their number or like tell me to call them depending on like what time period it is. Well, it's like, um, if it's live period, you can't talk at all. Like, if it's a dead period, stuff like that. Um, but even if you're if you're not a junior, you they can't call you until, like, September 1st of your junior year. So if it was prior to that, I had to, like, call them. But they'll tell my uncle, like, oh, she can call me at 7 or something like that. Um, but then after, when I was a junior, they started calling me personally, like, on my own phone. What were some of the schools that started to reach out to you early on? Because you were talking, you just said, like, how, like, one a bigger school comes in for you, the rest start to mm-hmm. see that, and then, boom, you're on their yeah, radar. Yeah. A lot of the local schools, so after I got uh, Rutgers, it was a lot of the local schools. Um, so, like, BC, um, I can't even think of all of them off the top of my head, but it was so long ago. Um <laughs> But, like, I know BC for sure because I was the other ACC school. Um, but some, like, D2s, D1s, but um, a lot of the schools that are probably, like, in the New England area that reached out. It was so then you obviously ended up going to Florida State mm-hmm. at um, at a high school. You were talking about how you had gotten offers from Florida State. You got offers from Miami. So mm-hmm. big, big ACC presence coming mm-hmm. after you. What was that? decision like once you had kind of compiled your list of colleges that were looking at you how did you sort of decide on going to FSU um the sun was definitely one of the reasons uh, <laughs> <laughs> this the sun is nice down there um and I just like the family atmosphere they have like coach Sue she uh she retired now but she's just a historic coach there she was coaching there for like 20 21 20 years so um just who she is she's really similar to coach Reese I tell her that um just like her energy like who she was like the coaches coach Brooke now who's the the head coach now she was an assistant at the time um that she was recruiting me and stuff like that but just her energy the family atmosphere and then I mean it's Florida it's their son so um it was really nice down there and then it's the ACC's high level basketball so that's what I wanted to play and so then yeah touching upon high level basketball um as a freshman kind of going into an environment FSU is a very competitive competitive school mm-hmm. women's basketball especially 
what was that? What was that kind of like trying to like get yourself assimilate yourself into the fold of their school, trying to get your licks in on the team? What was that kind of like for you? Yeah, so like any like any freshman start off really at any school, no matter what level it is, like going in from high school to to college, it's a change, and it's whether from the level, the speed, just the load of having to do classes, harder classes, and then having to just the load of basketball itself like multiple workouts more active like it's just it was a lot it was a lot on the body and so I think one thing that really got me used to it was we had um a foreign trip so we went to Spain and Italy my freshman year so of August of my freshman summer we went to Spain and Italy um and so we played against like Italian teams Spanish teams we went back to uh, one of my teammates who's from Spain. We went to her hometown in Barcelona. So um, playing in that and getting the experience from there was, was definitely a stepping stone for me. But then I actually hurt my knee, so I ended up not playing anyway uh, for that year. But that was probably like the first time where I was getting used to it. Um, and then obviously like the summer workouts itself, but you're just playing against each other, but playing against other people, um, that uh, that foreign trip was, was definitely it. Um, so roadie fans are obviously gonna be very familiar with your style of play, sort of like little slow build up, yeah. scanning the court to kind of tortoise movement. Um, so it, obviously like that's something that you've probably sort of developed through playing in, through playing in AAU, through playing in college, mm-hmm. like as a kind of a cornerstone of your game. So like at, during your time at FSU as like your kind of first like initial sort of seasons playing college basketball, how would you say your game kind of developed moving over from high from high school in AAU into college? Um, I don't think I was ever fast. Like I've never been fast. Um, yeah, they used to want me to run track and stuff, and I'm like, I'll, I'll throw a shot put or something. I'm not running track. Uh, <laughs> but I was, I've never been fast. I think just as time went on, I think my IQ developed in terms of uh, just being able to pass, knowing where people are going to be. I think at times I, I anticipate stuff a little too much and assume they're going to be there, which is probably like <laughs> a lot of my turnovers come from, just assuming stuff's going to happen. Um, but I think just my IQ developed um, as my speed went down, like probably even lower as, as time went on. Uh, I think just my IQ got higher. And so then as that kind of goes on, your game starts to develop, you start to get more, you start to get more minutes as you're playing. Mm-hmm. And then you start to kind of, you start to kind of realize that FSU may not be the place that you mm-hmm. want to finish at. And then you decide ultimately that I want to move on from FSU. And then you go over to Rutgers. Mm-hmm. Transfers, obviously, it's very prevalent now, mm-hmm. now that like just with the way the transfer portal is set up. What was kind of your decision-making process with that? Um, I think for me, I wanted to make an impact. Um just after just my knees and stuff at Florida State I think I couldn't they couldn't really see me outside of like my knees and being hurt so I just wanted a a new start and and be as impactful as I can um and just get a chance to to be looked at as something outside of my knees and outside of someone who's who's gotten injured a couple times so I think that's really probably why the main reason why I transitioned on and transferred from there and so then going from the ACC you transferred over to Rutgers Mm -hmm. Big Ten school another uh, reasonably successful women's program Mm -hmm. Um, outside outside of obviously the conference change in new school that must have been a little little upsetting to leave the sunshine and the warm weather (laughs) down in Florida it was sad (laughs) it was sad I mean uh, I hadn't been up in this area like in the cold by the water and for like five years since I was there so I was like this is ridiculous I haven't seen snow unless I was there for half a day in a long time 
<laughs> that's that's funny. So then, like, heading into heading into Rutgers, obviously you'd spend a couple years at FSU, mm-hmm. um, redshirt senior year, I believe, is when you transferred to Rutgers. Mm-hmm. So, what were kind of your expectations going into going into that program, knowing like, all right, this is what I can do, given the injuries that you had had, and just mm-hmm. kind of your play style. What were your expectations heading in to go play for the Scarlet Knights? Um, I don't think I really had an expectations. I think I was mainly just excited that they were giving me a chance to play at another high level, um, even despite my knees. So, like, I think that was the main thing that I wanted to make sure that I showed that I could play at this high level, that I could, that my knees weren't just, like, a dictation of who I was. So, um, really no expectations, but just trying to, like, prove, I guess, to myself and to people that, like, injuries only have to stop you from doing what you want to do type thing. And so before you had moved over there, obviously you're coming out of COVID during mm-hmm. during a little bit during this time. Was COVID a big sort of, was COVID a bit of a factor when you were sort of making this decision in terms of like maybe where you wanted to go or if you wanted to leave in general? Um, I wouldn't say it was like a big factor. To me, like the season was definitely different. Um, I would say maybe it's a big factor because on the bench they had to spread out so I had more time to like not talk to other people I was talking to myself mainly because it was everybody was so spread out um but I don't think COVID like it definitely didn't have anything to do it it, it was good because it gave people extra yeah so um but other than that like no not really you might actually be the first athlete that's ever that's ever said that COVID wasn't really that big of an impact for it them in terms of, of their stuff. I never got it so yeah. I was cool like um people on my team had got it but I never got it so um like I wasn't sick or nothing then it was a change for sure, but it wasn't like the world's going to burn down, at least not for me. It wasn't like this is the worst thing in the world, like can't do anything. Because, I mean, we still hung out. Maybe it was illegal. We weren't supposed to, but we was doing whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's interesting. It's just considering that outlook. And then obviously you had transferred after yeah. that. So it that it's a, basically a whole new sort of sports world by the time that you had moved up to Rutgers. Mm-hmm. And so then... What were, like, some of the biggest... Obviously, weather and, like, culture shift is probably a big difference. But, I mean, like, just in terms of, like basketball and like just the way things worked between the two different schools what was what were some of like of the big differences that you noticed when you first got up there um i said the big difference is from acc to big 10 is the speed like acc is more of like a speed god conference um like i remember playing against notre dame when they won the, the national championship that year they were probably like the fastest team i ever played against in my life like i was dying <laughs> um but just like the speed for one i think big 10 is more of like a physical like hard body uh bigger school um now they're kind of transitioning a little bit to trying to be more speedy but ACC is definitely like the speed conference so the speed for one like it slowed down a little bit um in the Big Ten um and then as well as like ACC at the time like it was a really good it was a really good conference like between Syracuse between Duke um Notre Dame like Louisville Isidore and stuff like it was a really really good conference so um the, the Big Ten had like a little like lesser teams that that it was more the higher teams are the higher teams. You knew the kind of the difference. Um, ACC was more well-rounded, so um, I think like at the time, but sh- definitely the speed was the difference between the two conferences. Um, though that you left FSU to try and like give yourself a new start in mm-hmm. terms of like trying to over trying to overlook the injuries and just sort of not necessarily reinvent yourself, but yeah. allow yourself to flourish again. Were you able to kind of jump into the Rutgers scene in a, like a bit of a leadership role, given your experience playing for FSU for so many years? Um, we had a lot of seniors uh, when I was there, so I think it was like some crazy like five or six. I can't remember, but there was a lot of seniors, so there was a lot of people who had experience. Um, 
like one of my really good friends, she came from the SEC, and then um, another like two thousand. Two of my friends came to the SEC, um, and then another one. She was like a two thousand point scorer out of Bradley. Um, so we had a lot of, and then one from Ball State, and then one from ODU, uh, Old Dominion. So we had a lot of, a lot of, a lot of old heads on the team, <laughs> a lot of experience. So, um, but I think we just brought all a different type of experience from the different conferences that we had, from different players we played against and played with. Um, we brought we brought different experience. And so then uh, you touched upon it in um, talking about like the different terms of physicality between the conferences and stuff like that. But in terms of the actual experience you had playing with your teammates, like mm-hmm. FSU, probably more free free flowing, fast, quick guards, mm-hmm. and then Rucker is going into a system that's probably more rigid. Mm-hmm. How was how did that change impact your game? Did it impact it at all? Um, it was different for sure. I mean, I think it helped me a little bit like slow the game down more because. Um, we played a lot slower, like a lot slower. So it helped me play, uh, slow the game down more, which helped me, I guess, build my IQ a little bit. And then coming to here now where it was fast up again, it was a bit of a change. But um, I think it definitely just slowed my game down, helped me think a lot more, think more critically about stuff. Um, but, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. And so then you played nearly the entire season for Rutgers, mm-hmm. successful year, and then you decide after that that you want to pursue you want to pursue your masters. Were you pursuing your masters at all while while at Rutgers as well? Yeah, I finished my masters and financial. Finish your masters at yeah. Rutgers. So then, so then after that, what kind of made you want to? continue you had basically it seems you had finished almost everything academically you had paid <laughs> yeah. you had played PhD that my mom wants me to get and I'm like you get it I'm not doing that <laughs> oh yeah so then you you had played you had played so many years of college basketball you'd kind of realize that all right that maybe professional basketball might not be what I want to do you'd gotten your master's then you decide to come and transfer to URI. We'll touch upon the coaches and them trying to recruit you in a sec. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like for you personally, what was kind of the driving force behind wanting to continue to play? Yeah, I think last year we didn't have a good year. At least, uh, yeah, not at least for me, but we did not have a good year last year. So I didn't really want to go out like that. I wanted to to more so go out more of on a high and. Um, like something that I could look back to, like oh, that was a really good year, and I really liked it. Um, last year, I really can't say the same for that. So, I wanted to just go somewhere that I can make another impactful, um, just be impactful and and make a change. And I think that's uh, what we did here. I think Coach Reese uh, let me do that. They gave me a chance to do that. So. Um, Thank you to them. So you're one of the first athletes that I've talked to that is has hopped in the transfer portal twice, mm-hmm. and now you're going into three different conferences. So mm-hmm. then, um, what was sort of just again, kind of the same question before? What was kind of the process like transferring once again? You mm-hmm. had already like people at other schools had now already been aware of you, like they knew you transferred before, so like they've mm-hmm. seen now you playing two different conferences. So I have to imagine that coupled with your experience, you started to get. A bunch of looks from a wide variety of schools. So, what was that like for you? Um, I would say like I kind of knew the A10. Like I had a friend, a couple of friends that were already in the A10. So, like I knew kind of the vibe of it and how the conference was. Um, and for me, like it's well, the A10 in general is basically almost a power five. Like aside from like the Big East, it's essentially um, high level athletes are still and high level players are coming from big 
Power 5 schools, big schools, and coming into A-10s, Big East, stuff like that. So um, that's really, like, I still wanted to play at a high level um, and just be impactful. Um, and then I guess from, like, how they saw me, I guess you got have to ask coaches about that, <laughs> how they saw me. And so then, obviously, we spoke about this ahead of the interview, but Tammy Reese, the eccentric yeah. head coach of women's basketball here at URI, she, I assume, was one of the for one of the people from URI to really reach out to you and yeah, talk to you. Yeah, she was the first one. Mm-hmm. What, so what were those initial conversations like when you were meeting this super energetic, like, mm-hmm. really, like really positive person that's like trying to bring you into a school like this and trying to get you to buy into the project that they had going on here? What were those conversations like? Um, I would say like her energy is just unmatched anyway. I'm more of a chill person, so <laughs> we're pretty different uh, in that regard. But um, just her energy is something that you can't you can't not see when you talk to her. You can't not like feel it. She makes you feel like you're a part of a family as soon as you talk to her. Um, and she called me like immediately. I had like went into the portal like the last day at the last hour that you could ever go into the portal. Um, and she had called me the next day, and I was at CVS. Um, <laughs> I was going to get somebody to CVS. Um, and just her energy and just she was really easy to talk to I think that was the number one thing she was really easy to talk to Um, I think she was a little surprised by like from me like not like how chill I am but like all the stuff that like I've done like between having a job basically for the last three years in school while still playing high level basketball um, she was pretty surprised by by, by some stuff about me so then you have the conversation with her you kind of start to start to feel each other out realize that like all right what she's trying to offer and then she mm-hmm. starts um trying to see what you have to bring to you or i and then at the end of the day what was kind of the deciding factor were there other schools that you were considering other coaches reach out to you or was yeah. it kind of um i think the number one the deciding factor for me is that they had like a plan for me um um, I met I had met Coach A for the first time. I think he was in like France somewhere, and I'm like, who's this guy with these glasses on um, <laughs> on this Zoom? Um, but because I had only met Coach Reese and Coach Shani before that, but he had because he ran the offense. Um, he had like a plan for me of like how he sees me um, in the offense and, and where I would be uh, most effective at the top of the pick and roll stuff like that. Um, coming off of ball screens a lot, um, being able to get the the ball up the court stuff like that. So I think they had the best plan for me and the best outlook for what, how they wanted me to play and how they saw me. Um, and then as well as their plan overall, like the whole summer, all last year, we did a bunch of player development. Um, and I think that's definitely what I needed the most. And so just just how they their philosophy is basketball-wise and then just who they are as coaches and as people, I think uh, that was definitely the main thing. And so then coming in, you make the decision, all right, you're going to jump ship again, yeah. new conference, new state. Now you're back, fully back in New I England. Oh, back in the seasonal depression. Back in the seasonal depression, except now you're kind of by the water. So you get, you get, the, you get the nice little, you get yeah, the nice I little like summers. Yeah, I don't like I don't know. You, don't never, like, you don't really like the beach? No, Not a beach person? I don't like to get too tan. Like, I feel like I'm dark enough. And then I'm like, I don't know what to do when I'm going to sit there and like play solitaire. I don't know. That's another topic. Yeah, you got you to gotta, gotta play spike ball a little bit. A little, little bit of beach fun. A little team bonding. Sizzling. Out there sizzling. <laughs> um, so then obviously coming in, coming into the summer, we you talked about a little bit about like the knee injuries and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. When you came here, did you ever sort of feel like a little bit of a hankering with the with the knee injuries, like kind of going into summer workouts, knowing that this is like probably what fifth, sixth, fifth, sixth year playing college yeah. basketball? Uh, no, I think uh, 
obviously, like, the needs are going to be there. They're always going to be there. Uh, but Evan, between Evan and Dan, they really took care of me. Um, just, like, and then the coach that's ball, like, they let me listen to my own body. And they're, like, they told me, like, you're an adult. Listen to yourself. So, um, but Evan, my guy, he really, uh, <laughs> he really took care of me. I was there all the time with him. So, uh, he took care of me, make sure that my needs were good. And so then you kind of, you talk, talked about this, how um, Coach A, he was, he was out in France. And mm-hmm. anybody who's a fan of women's basketball knows that basically the roster is split down the middle, half American, half French. Yeah, and it's not of, even, we're outnumbered. Yeah, it's, Americans it, are outnumbered. Actually, yeah, no, you're right. And so it's one, of, it's one of the few schools in the country that really has sort of a team dynamic like mm-hmm. that where they bring in so many people from one other country. Mm-hmm. And that's all down to Coach A. I mean, Coach, he's a former French basketball player, played mm-hmm. in Paris. He's originally from Paris. So they And the university has sister schools out in France. So it's all about establishing a bit of a connection. Mm-hmm. So kind of coming into an environment like that, you probably played with maybe a team with maybe like one or two international yeah, yeah. players. Mm-hmm. But coming in with all of these girls, all of whom are from France, have to imagine there was a bit of a language barrier there you had to overcome. <laughs> um, I think it was... As time went on, like, I started to be able to understand them a little more. Uh, but obviously, like, if something isn't your, your first language, it's going to it's gonna sound, like, different. And so I know for them, when they hear us talk, especially probably me, they say Mad has accent. I don't think she does. But uh, probably me, like, just the different accents, and there's, like, different... Like, people in America have different accents, and then, obviously, people in France, like, have different accents as well. So um, it was hard at first to, like, <laughs> really try to figure out what was going on or what they were saying. Um, especially, like, Ines, when she first got here. Um, I even said her name wrong a lot of times, but she never corrected me because she was just trying to <laughs> speak English herself. So, <laughs> uh, But she's gotten a lot, a lot better. And so then as you all are really just trying to learn how to understand each other, mm-hmm. you're trying to under- learn how to understand each other literally in, in terms yeah. of speaking, but also you're trying to understand each other in terms of how you all play and how you all gel on the basketball court. Mm-hmm. So kind of coming into the fold, obviously Madison Hacks Covington coming uh, coming in as well, and um, Emma Squires, I think, was the other other mm-hmm. one who came in. As you all are trying... And, 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 yeah, exactly. And so all of y'all coming in to the fold, new players trying to fit into a new system alongside players that had been there last year mm-hmm. and then the freshmen as well what were those first initial workouts and practices like where you're all trying to come together gel under a new coach mm-hmm. i said i said like i said before like at first um it was mainly player development and then player development within the system um and as well as just developing our overall game just whether it was finishes just shots stuff like that um but then as we we came together more it was more so like a clean slate so basically they could have did whatever they wanted and we would have had no idea um just because the players that did play that didn't either didn't play as much <clears throat> um or they were just like completely new um so i think that we were able to quickly i would say quickly just gel together just the stuff that we did um and just figuring out roles um i know coach reese talked about it for a while just trying to figure out where we all were in terms of what we provided to the court um what we brought to the team stuff like that so um i think as time went on we started to jump more but it was definitely a a change and obviously coach reese very energetic outgoing and just very out there personality Mm -hmm. is she a pretty intense coach at on the practice court as well yeah she's the same she's the same person so whatever you see in the press conferences and stuff like that's exactly how she is with us um but she's she's always on 10 bringing her energy shiny is right there with her uh (laughs) bringing a bunch of energy as well so um they're uh and then tk coach air are 
or chiller on the other side. So they definitely balance each other really well. But uh, who they are is, is, is what they present to everybody else is definitely who they are. And so then as customary, when you're coming into a new program, you uh, sometimes people just gravitate toward each other in, mm-hmm. in terms of like trying to find new friends and become more comfortable. When you had come here, did you gravi- really gravitate to anybody, like any other guards or just any other people that just to help you kind of like become more comfortable here at URI? Um, I would say Matt. Me and Matt are really cool. We're roommates. Um, and then that's time went on Emma too. Uh, but me and Matt definitely, we're definitely real cool. So I think definitely Matt. And then obviously that must have really helped the chemistry on the court as, as, it, as it showed throughout this season. Both of you were a very successful duo in, yeah. in, in the backcourt there. And so then just kind of, you go through the summer workouts, your player development, you start to learn the scheme, everything's starting to fall into place. Mm-hmm. You had, you're heading into the season, and then you lose to Harvard. Mm-hmm. And it's like, whoa, wait a minute. That, 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 that must have been a little bit of a gut punch for you after all the s- summer work. Kind of what was the initial reaction knowing like, all right, the, the, we've, we've got a season on our hands now. Um, well, Harvard's a really good team. Uh, so they're, they're just a really good team. They, I've had played them last year, um, but they're just a really good team, I think. I definitely was upset after the loss, but um, I would say the bright side of it is that we did score 74 points that game, and to see that, okay, like, we do have offense, we do have some good players, we all gel, we can gel together. Um, it's just about getting some other things together, like the defense at the time. Um, but I think it was it was some good bright spots, and I think it was just like a reality check, too, as well as like, all right, we do got some work to do. We have... Um, some things that we got to handle in order to have a good season. And so then following the Harvard game, I, you guys go on a, an eight or nine game win streak. I, don't, I believe you didn't lose until you play, went down to Wake Forest mm-hmm. in December, even going in and beating Quinnipiac, which obviously you weren't here for, but for Tammy and some of the other players that had carried over from last year meant a lot considering mm-hmm. that Quinnipiac knocked them out in the NIT. Yeah. So were there like any sort of lessons that you or maybe the coaches took from that Harvard loss that implement that they implemented into the scheme that really allowed you to shoot out for like a nine game win streak to start the year yeah I think um especially when you when you lose like you start to see you see more stuff than when you win in terms of like you see more things about yourself as a team you see like the mistakes are heightened because you lost and so you're able to really analyze the film more um and I think after that game, we, we really honed in on defense for number one. Um, letting up 88 points is not okay. In any, it's almost 100. And so in any faster, that's not okay. Um, and so we really honed in on things like that. And then um, as time went on, we, we just kept honing in on defense and, and knowing that we could score and that we were really good at it. So, um, But defense is number one thing. I think that, that helped us have a good season like we did. And so then just before the Atlantic 10 play starts, you opened the Atlantic 10 season with a win against Duquesne mm-hmm. on New Year's Eve. You lose to Wake Forest and you lose to Princeton. Mm-hmm. And then after that, a lot of teams, like I, Tammy spoke about during – toward the end of the season talking about how this core of players was able to really bounce back better than her previous team Mm -hmm. and it it showed you lose two pretty disappointing non-conference games Mm -hmm. and then you go on a 16 or like 14 game win streak Mm -hmm. to open conference play and it's in a conference that you even said could basically be considered a power five women's Mm -hmm. basketball conference so just 
as you start to really start putting the wins together, it, everyone's starting to gel, the offense is flowing, just what was just sort of the feeling like at being a part of that team, knowing that everything was starting to go right, you had a good understanding of all the other girls in the squad? Um, I think the, the experience really showed, um, especially during conference time when you have like 14 games under your belt already, people know what you're going to do. They know who the players are. Um, and so for me, I think the, the main turning point game uh, was the Princeton game. And I think that game for me, like I knew that we could, we were going to be really good um, from there. And even though we lost, um, which I feel like we should have won, but even though we lost, uh, I think that was the game for me to be like, okay, like we just got to find two some things and then we'll be good. Um, and then so starting off, especially since we started off with a, with a harder conference season and a conference um, start, especially with Duquesne, um, I think it was just a good test for us. And I think just our experience showed as time went on that, especially experience in the A-10 between Matt and Emma and T, um, that how the conference went, like who players were, stuff like that. So I think our experience has really uh, led us to the 14. And then, so, sorry to you finish off there. But um, so then as you start to kind of go on, everyone's sort of gelling. The experiences are going good. It's a, you're really starting to like use those losses to really build up from that. Mm. But then you start to also realize that Tammy, as a coach, demands perfection all of the time. Mm. And even in wins, Tammy is not satisfied unless you are beating your opponent into the ground and then some. Mm-hmm. It's it, it de- depending on the p- opponent, obviously. Yeah. But as as the season's kind of going on, and her expectations begin to turn from all right, let's start to we're putting wins together, start to get streaked. Then all right, now we're looking toward the the end of the year. As the season kind of weared on, how did her expectations change in your eyes? And then how did that did that ever impact the way she would coach? You, you guys, as the season progressed? Um, no, I wouldn't say, like, our expectations changed. Um, <clears throat> as a coaching staff, they were very, like, process-oriented um, and then in stringing together a full 40 minutes. So I think sometimes when she'd be like, ah, oh, that wasn't good enough, I think she'd mainly see it as we didn't really put together a full 40 minutes like we could. Um, and they, they were just very process-oriented as a whole um, and making sure that the steps that we were taking were in the right step of the process. And if wins were the byproduct of that, then great. Um, but they were just very focused on the process and how we progressed as a team and as we moved forward as a team um, and, and as we got down the season. And so then, yeah, and speaking of as just heading down to the end of the season, mm-hmm. once you hit February, it's a very, very tight-knit race at the top between you and UMass. Mm-hmm. And then you go in to the UMass game. Mm-hmm. You had not lost in the conference, and the UMass come to URI. Yeah, beat up on it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It, it was just just a bit of just a gut punch, for yeah. lack of a better term. Just as you're kind of going through that game, knowing that you had kind of beat up on them when you went up to UMass, mm-hmm. what was how did that sort of... Did that at all change your perspective on the season? Or, like, did that kind of change your perspective on the end of the season, per se, knowing that, all right, now this just got real because that's our biggest competitor mm-hmm. for the conference, and they just came to our house and beat us up? Um, I would think so. For me, like, it wasn't uh, – I know, like, the URI, UMass, like, I know the the rivalry there. But for me, like, just coming in with, like, fresh eyes, especially fresh eyes in terms of just the season, like, who, what stuff was and then the rivalry itself – um, it really didn't. It really didn't matter to me too much about like how we played them the first time. Like 
we when we after we won that game, we were pretty chill about it. We just we just walked off. We clapped like we do say, wave to the fans and just walked off. Um, because I feel like if you've been somewhere before, like you act like it and and stuff doesn't have to feel like a championship game. And so when we went into to when they came here, I think, um, for me like that was their championship, and I think they just they just beat up on us and um we just had we had a bit of a reality check of of who we were in terms of we needed to get better every day and we couldn't have bad practices or a string of bad practices where we were just showing up um so i think they really just showed us that and um but in terms of just how it went in the season or like oh they're our biggest rivalry that really didn't matter to me um i think i was more focused on trying to get through the season and and be good towards the end of the season and so then as the end of the season is starting to unfold Mm -hmm. you come off the umass loss and then the nail biter against st joe's and then you get the win thanks to sophie hitting that buzzer beater at the end (laughs) and then you go into fordham and then you lose in overtime to Mm -hmm. to another buzzer beater that's gotta really hurt hurt feel like another bit of a gut punch just knowing that how close you are to the end of the season how close you are to that just first ever first ever title Mm -hmm. and it it must have just been like a little difficult on the psyche you have to imagine Mm -hmm. but as the kind of season's going on what were you able to take from those losses that then allowed you to just kind of stay focused for then the ultimate championship winning game versus Dayton um, I would say we we just had we did a good job of bouncing back um, after after every game and then analyzing the stuff that we did wrong and then bouncing back from there um, and just learning from our mistakes pretty quickly and then especially when conference comes around like you have two days to really all right that game's over with let's move on um, and especially after the UMass game I think we really had to. Um, really lock in and we started off a little slow that game but I think we really had to lock in and be like okay like that game's over and now we have to move on to this next team um, and, and come out stronger because of that so um, and then the buzzer beater one against Fordham that definitely hurt um, but uh, it is what it is I mean we bounce back again against Dayton so and then you kind of Touching off of what a little bit what you just said, as everybody's sort of different in terms of how they take loss, and mm-hmm. it's it's you you want to go into everything as like a next game mentality. It doesn't bother you, but again, it, it'll it'll get to some people, mm-hmm. and then obviously like. Uh, say like the freshman for example like them in their first sort of uh, experiences playing college basketball loss can be especially difficult to take you've been around mm-hmm. the block so many times where it's like it you you understand how to deal with loss mm-hmm. and you understand just how to like move on from it but were, were there ever times where you kind of felt like you wanted to like help pick up some of the freshmen and kind of keep them focused on the straight and narrow because they the job obviously wasn't finished and you still had a little bit more work to do so did you ever kind of like help out the freshmen and move them along that path yeah i think uh i think our experience between me matt and emma uh it really showed once when, when times got hard um and for me like uh i i do like i do take losses by like who wants to lose um but for me like i'll say like you can cry about it for the day next day you got to figure a way out of it and so like once that game was over once that night was over we had for me personally like i have to move on and i have to see the next game and i think um or the, even like the next play. Um, sometimes Coach A says I don't have any memory because I'll turn it over and then I'll probably do the same exact turnover because uh, I just forgot about it. Um, but I think definitely as time went on, like our experience, we had to we had to pick some up, and that just happens with like any team, um, and just and just helping them learn, helping them know like we have still things to look forward to. Um, so, and so then after those after those two losses. Your it's final game of the season, regular mm-hmm. season. It's against Dayton. It's win, 
and you're part of history. It's the mm-hmm. first title, first URI women's basketball, Atlantic 10 title yeah. in school history. Mm-hmm. So just as that game kind of is going on, I remember I was covering the Atlantic 10 championships, the track and field one at Mackle, and I remember mm-hmm. running over through Keeney, running through the hallway to try and <laughs> yeah. get to the Ryan Center to see this. I got there at the start of the second half, mm-hmm. and I'm looking at it, and I was just like, all right, well, job's basically done. Mm-hmm. You guys were up by, I think, like almost like 20, 30 points, and it was just like, it was, I was like, all right, then. But as a player, mm-hmm. obviously the coaches kind of tell you, don't don't get excited until the game's over. Mm-hmm. Don't get excited until that buzzer goes, and then that's when you're a champion. <clears throat> but as the kind of game's going on, it, was there any point where you sort of realized, all right, we did it. We actually were able to get it done. Um, I said what I subbed out at the end, uh, but I think we had we knew that we had to just start off strong, um, especially after losing on the buzzer beater uh, to Florida. I think we had to start off strong um, and really put ourselves in a position early to get to get it out the way and and to to come out strong. And I think that's what we did. I think the first half we were up something crazy. So um, not until like the very end where I had subbed out and, and Coach Reese let us hug everybody. I think that's when it was just like the last twenty seconds. <laughs> I was like, all right, we good now. And so kind of just talking about the entire season as a whole in terms of like thinking about the championship and stuff like that, how the coaches' expectations obviously coming off of last year was that they wanted to go out and do exactly this and go win the Atlantic 10. Mm-hmm. And as the season's kind of progressing, it seems like you'd be able to achieve that feat like er- earlier in the in the conference mm-hmm. schedule. But what was their sort of message to you guys to keep yourselves level-headed was there any sort of time where like you or any of your teammates were kind of like talking about it or looking at the schedule being like all right maybe maybe we can do this and then the coach would be like nah but we got to focus on each game one at a time you know what i mean yeah i would say uh i think the whole year they were very process oriented um and and focused on us being able like i said before stringing the full 40 minutes together and in the process of how we worked as a team and how we moved forward as a team um and how we got better every day as a team versus just our Let's just win this game. Let's win this game. Let's win this game. Um, so rather than being like solution focused, they were more so process focused and how we were doing to get to where we wanted to go, how that was actually looking, making sure that everybody feels involved, everybody is is liking how we're getting these wins and how we're, we're able to just be so successful. Um, and so I think like us as seniors, I don't think we ever felt like, oh my God, we're going to be really good. And I think, I don't really think we ever like said that like either out loud maybe internally we felt it but um we were never like oh yeah we're really good so i think us as seniors and as leaders um just knowing that the job wasn't done every single day was was really how we were able to be successful and so then obviously after dayton you're an atlantic 10 champion Mm -hmm. cutting down the net hugging everybody just the confetti and just the entire atmosphere overall Mm -hmm. what did that feel like to you um i mean it felt good for the first time for me it was like I was impactful and I and I made a difference on a team. Like I've, I've person like I've made a difference on every single team, but I felt like person like I made a difference on a team to win a championship. Um, and so my sister was there. She used to play here, so um, she was probably the first person that I saw, the first person that I hugged because. I just saw her, the work that she put in when she first got to college, um, obviously before me because she's older, um, and just just coming back to where she went to and just finishing the job for her, um, I think that was so special for me. And so then after that, you get the weekend to celebrate, but then it's back to business as usual because now you're playing postseason basketball. You've got the Atlantic 10 championships down in Delaware, and then obviously you weren't here for 
the heartbreak in the final last year yeah. for them. So what ahead of that ahead of that, in between the championship celebration and then the Atlantic Ten um championship tournament, mm-hmm. what was kind of Tammy's message to you guys to get you focused get you sort of refocused on the task at hand? Um, I would just say like the job's not done, um, type of thing. Like I said before, like you can you can soak or you can be happy for the day and then from there you gotta you gotta really focus on the next thing especially if there's something else to focus on um so i think she she really let us celebrate the win and and know that we deserved it and then us as a team and as a staff between us to the managers the the support staff uh steph evan dan like and then us as players and then coaches as well like we really deserved it and we needed to focus on that and be happy in that but then when it was time to get back to work and practice, we needed to make sure that we knew the job wasn't done. And so then heading down to Wilmington, you guys win the fir- first game of the tournament. Mm-hmm. It's already the big, just big steps continuing in the history of this program. And then you go up against St. Louis. Mm-hmm. And then St. Louis come flying out of the gate. Mm-hmm. And then you guys find yourself in a bit of a hole. As that game's starting to kind of go on... What was just sort of like your feeling inside? Obviously, like again, like your experiences, the experience that you had, the experience that you, um, Emma Madison, that's Tammy brought you in to have the experience for moments like this mm-hmm. when you're trying to overcome deficits in in the position like this. So as you're kind of going through that game, were you at all worried about? kind of just everything else going on around you or you just sort of honed in on all right i got to do what i know how to do because if i'm on my game that's what's going to help propel us over going to help get my teammates to get back onto their game yeah i think uh just our ability to bounce back showed in that game um it definitely could have came a little earlier in the game but uh i think just our ability to bounce back ability to stay together um, when things got a little hard, really showed in that game and how we were able to just come back from as, as deep of a hole that like we were in. Um, and I think it, it started with me and Ines being able to to control the team and then as well as just like mad and just the experience that we had to, to know that, all right, it's not over until the score, the time is 0-0. Zero, zero. And so just being able to chip away and chip away at it. Um, and so I think that's what we did as time went on in the game. And so then at, as you're starting to mount the comeback, but St. Louis are still putting a little bit of distance between you guys, mm-hmm. and then ultimately St. Louis were able to come away with the win and move on to the final, the, the final of the tournament. Mm-hmm. Considering just the ramifications of that, knowing that that basically had cost the squad their first March Madness birth or mm. Women's March Madness birth, what was just like afterward? You kind of know that all right, the WNIT is still on the cards. Mm. It's not ideally the goal for a lot of programs, but still, for a program like you arrived, that's exceptional to even be competing in something like that. Mm. Just what was sort of the feeling knowing that? The tournament's over. It was demoralizing, but knowing that there's still a chance of more basketball to even mm. be played. Um, for me personally, it was pretty hard uh, for me to get out of not being in, in March Madness. That was really hard for me, um, especially like that's what I set out to do, and that's that's what I wanted us to do as a team, and I thought we really could do it. Um, and so it was really hard for me. And then, like the coaches themselves, just talking to them, like they really helped me. Um, to know that there is more basketball left, and and the, the teams in the WNIT, they always went, they more stuff than not, they always went on to go to the March Madness either the next year or a couple of years after, and and make real strides in the tournament. Um, and so, and then for me, I got to a point to where like it really isn't about me. I'm really doing it for my teammates and for the people who believed in me, like the coaches, and, and who gave me a chance to be impactful. So, uh, for me, like I focused on them and, and being able to do and get wins for them and 
get those two wins. So. And so then you get into the WNIT. You're going up against Boston University, another team, very similar record. They play mm-hmm. in a little bit of a smaller conference, but still not a team that you can really shake a stick at. They mm-hmm. are very competent. You come in and play... The nasty game. But nasty, <laughs> probably in terms of both teams, probably the worst game both teams played all year. Yeah. And just like Tammy was talking about how the rust was obviously on display yeah. because of the time between the turn between the tournaments for both teams. And it was just like going through that game as a player must have been tough. I mean, just what was that like for you? Yeah, I remember I remember one point in the game I looked at Matt, we were me and Matt were sitting next to each other and I was like, This game is the worst game I've ever been brought up. <laughs> like it was like eight to nine in like the second quarter. We were like, What is this? Um, but uh yeah, it was rough. We had like a week off and I think they probably had like a week off or whatever too I don't really know um, but it was just a lot of time uh, in between that game and the previous game in the, in the tournaments that we had played in um, so the rush was definitely on I think something was wrong with the ball or something I don't know but <laughs> it was nasty yeah a little rim, rim maybe a little skew yeah, a little it was, bit it was a little lower than usual I don't know but um, so then obviously not getting lucky there's no no true luck in sports you guys were able to grind out just kind of just get the win yeah. and take lessons from that you know they're like all right that's not gonna fly ever mm-hmm. again and so then tammy was probably i assume was getting on y'all because she was getting she was adamant in that press conference after that game she was like this was embarrassing like yeah. this is not how we wanted to play but so then coming after that game you go into richmond and you put on like another just routine women's basketball win like mm-hmm. what you guys been doing all year and so like what were just how how were the practices leading up into that game? Because you guys were end up going to score seventy two points against Richmond, mm-hmm. and it just seemed like all right, it would kick the rust off, and you were good. Just like were the practices maybe a little bit more intense, considering that Tammy was trying to undo all the wrongs from the BU game. Um, no, I don't think it was like all wrong. I think we just couldn't shoot in the ocean. Like uh, our defense was really really good, and. Uh, when your offense isn't going well, your defense got to be good. And so we, we held them to, like probably, I think, the lowest points that they've ever had all year. So um, we did have that to look back on. And then we, could, we couldn't shoot worse than what we did unless it was 0%. So uh, I think from there, that's what they were just really like, let's get the rust off. Um, and we got a game under us, get our game legs back. Um, and so I think that's what really showed uh, in the Richmond game. Um, and so, yeah. And so then at this point, it's the second postseason win in history for URI women's basketball. You're mm. fully etched in roadie history now. And then you come up against Harvard. Mm. The one team that one of the only teams I was able to beat you this year, mm. the team that beat you at the very start of the year. And I mean, it's a little bit of sad symbolism that they beat you at the start of the year and then they were the ones that ended up ending your season because mm. you, were you weren't able to get the, get the win over them in the WNIT. But just going into that game... What were just sort of the expectations like? Did you feel like a different team than the than the team that you were a part of when you played them at the start of the year? Yeah, I think we definitely were a different team. I think they definitely saw a different team. Um, and just sometimes, like, teams just play better than you, and they just happen to play better than you twice. Uh, and so... I think, but we were definitely a different team. I think we showed a, a completely different look from the beginning, especially our defense. Um, we just showed we showed something different. Obviously, it wasn't enough, but uh, we definitely were different from the beginning to the end. And so then, after the Harvard loss, it's demoralizing. It's just a not not a fun way to go out. Mm-hmm. But you had talked about how you didn't want to end your college career like that. Basically, when you were playing with Rockers, it wasn't really mm-hmm. that successful. But then you come you come into URI. 
you win it you win a conference championship you make history in the playoffs for mm. your squad i mean yeah it was a difficult loss to end on but i mean you got to look back on it and be like yeah you know what I, I like how I ended. I like how I ended it all. Yeah, I was telling uh, the coaches, I was like, maybe in like five years, I'll be like, all right, this is actually kind of good. But <laughs> after actually losing um, and not getting like another championship, that was pretty sad for me. Uh, but I do, I do think we had a good season. I think we had a really great season and definitely a historic one. Um, and so now looking back a little bit, probably like a month later, um, it, it was definitely a good season and a great thing to be a part of. And I'm glad that I was a part of it. And so one of the things that I had found super interesting is that you finished this year with 148 assists. Mm-hmm. That is nearly, or I think it's actually double your previous season high. Mm-hmm. And so just, you talked about how you were a, just a slow sort of guard, a little tortoise speed, <laughs> yeah. but it allows you to just sort of analyze everything that's going on in the court. You're like just able to kind of like take everything slow. The offense is kind of just flowing a little bit through you and you're able to kind of see like, all right, what lanes are going where and whatnot. Mm. So just how did the scheme that Tammy like sort of built around you or like how did or the just sort of the roles that she wanted you to play mm. allow you to blow up like that? Um, I would say just we did a good job of just knowing where people were going to be. Um, and making sure that they were there. And then, like I said, they make me look good. Like, I, they shoot the ball and they make it. So uh, they just make me look good by by putting it in putting it in the hole between Mad Dolly um, and, and Sophie P, the sniper. So uh, they, they make me look good. I just get it to where they want it. <laughs> and so we and we talked a little bit about just your relationship with a, a number of the seniors and the grad students that came in this year. But someone like one of the freshmen, like Inez. Inez probably mm-hmm. is one of the sp- players that's I would say most similar to you in terms of like how she kind of does her game she probably moves uh, her offense and just her style of play is probably a little bit faster but Mm -hmm. she still like kind of has that I'm trying to analyze everything and get the get the ball moving as a freshman she had over 100 assists this year Mm -hmm. so I mean how did your relationship kind of develop with her knowing that you were on a pretty similar wavelength in terms of how the offense flowed yeah, I think uh, from the from the start of when we first got here, I think we, we made each other better um, from the beginning. And so her being able, like every every guard and every point guard, they have like their own their own vibe, their own way that they play. Um, and I think as time went on, she started to just be herself. And I never like I'm never gonna be her. She's never gonna be me. Like we we have different vibes to us, and we provide a different look to the team. So I think especially like as she gets older, she's gonna have to find like who she is and be okay with that and be okay with if she gonna go 100 miles per hour and that's just how she rolled and that's just what it is and uh i knew that i was slow and i knew <laughs> the coaches knew that i was slow and i was more of a of a passer rather than trying to get downhill every time so um i just think we provide a different look for teams um and, and as time went on when things did get a little tough when i fouled out or when I was in foul trouble, whatever it may be, I think uh, being able to talk to her and her ability to listen uh, was really good for us. And so then obviously it, your college career and everything involved in college is coming to an end. Before we kind of touch upon like what you're going to be doing after this, I want to know, in your, you know, your time at URI mm-hmm. was short. What would you say was like your biggest highlight or your like just best memory, basketball or otherwise, just being a part of this community? Um, I'll say best memory for me would would be uh, just the fans and Rotary Nation and, and how 
they saw me from being a spectator with them when my sister was here to now playing um, and being part of a great team, being part of history. And I think just their love for us really was the best part and just having the connection with them, uh, being able to talk to them after the games, being able to just be with them on the road, stuff like that, and then just how much they loved us. I think that was uh, my favorite part for sure. And yeah, and they the fans absolutely loved watching you guys. I mean, just the as a reporter there, just seeing the growth in terms of viewership and people really starting to pay attention to you guys. I mean, it's all down to your performances on the court that brought them in, but I mean, just like all the fans starting to really come in, they lo- absolutely adored watching you guys, and mm-hmm. it was really cool to just see the growth throughout the season, because mm-hmm. it started small, it started small, and then as it, the season got on, as wins started to really progress, it started to really fill up, and for women's basketball in the Northeast, at a, at, like, I guess and, like it's maybe not be as prevalent in the Northeast as some other parts of the country, but I mean, mm-hmm. it really started to draw a serious crowd, so I mean, did that sort of having all the fans there did that kind of help kind of push you guys to perform a little bit beyond what you thought you were capable of during the season yeah for sure I think especially when you get um, when you get a lot of love and and you put on you put on a good show like people start to come I think uh, the day ones who was there when it was a little rough a couple years ago uh, they were probably a little mad that people were coming to take their seats but um, I think it's just a great thing to be part of and just women's basketball itself is growing um, and so it, it was a good thing and so then now obviously moving on from URI you're moving on with moving on with your life you've already mm-hmm. completed your masters and so just tell me share what are you going to be doing now that college basketball is over now that you're done with college you're moving on into adulthood what are you going to be doing um we're going to rest my knees a little bit for one uh <laughs> probably sit down uh, so I'm going to get a knee replacement or something uh but uh, I've been doing uh, wealth management for like the past couple years uh, since like 2020. So I'm um, going into that full time uh, and just just being in the finance world. I think that's uh, something that is really important to me outside of just basketball. Um, mitigating the wealth gap and, and, and being somebody who could to make change in that way uh, is important to me. So going into wealth management for sure. Has that always been something that you've wanted to do for a long time? I mean, you talk about someone that you want to make an impact, you want to make a change, mm-hmm. and especially um, being a woman of color, being able to do a lot of this stuff mm-hmm. is a serious deal. It's a perfect way to be able to go into society and really make a name for yourself and bring some sort of positive change to the U.S. But um, is that has that always been something that you really wanted to do if basketball like didn't end up coming to fruition and you were like, I, I can't go pro, obviously? Yeah, like I don't. I'm not gonna say like, I want to be Oprah or something and do <laughs> do that. But um, I think that I've always been really good with numbers, um, and then money has always been. I mean, everybody likes money, but it's <laughs> always been really important to me and, and having it, keeping it, managing it, knowing what to do with it. Um, and so I think as time went on, and as like I've seen more things in the world, like the the gaps, and then just knowing that people of color aren't in the spaces of finance most often, especially not women. And so um, I think just wanting to be a trailblazer in that um, is something that is important to me. So, yeah. Well, I'm sure roadie fans are going to be looking forward to seeing how you're able to blossom into adult life and we'll be looking forward to seeing you return periodically yeah, to come see this team. Mm-hmm. But again, Sayani, Thank you for joining me today. I feel like this is a perfect way to end off the first semester of Marks for Marks here at URI. So I'm so happy that you're able to come. And then, I mean, just again, congratulations on everything that you've been able to do, both here, FSU, Rutgers, and just good luck for everything else you're able to do beyond thank you. here. Thank you for having me. And so everybody, thank you for listening so much this semester. We will be back in the fall. Who knows? Maybe in this studio, maybe in FM. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll take... Better. 
FM, baby. We'll, we'll take we'll take a look. Um, again, follow us on Instagram, Marks or Marks Pod, or follow me, Mark underscore Radigan. And yeah, just stay tuned for any updates over the summer because a lot of stuff is gonna be coming your way. So I'll see y'all in the next one.